The reading tonight is from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 20, and can be found on page 901 of the Church Bibles. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will also live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, I didn't, uh, my phone has run out of battery, so I borrowed Willie's watch tonight, and he says the congregation will be ever thankful. <laughs> Thank you, Willie, for that huge vote of confidence in your minister's timekeeping, but I think wise words from a wise fellow. So do keep uh, uh, John chapter 14 open in front of you. Now, for the next four Sunday evenings, I think, maybe a little longer, but certainly for the next four Sunday evenings, our focus will be on the person of the Holy Spirit. And the title of our series, Getting to Know the Person of the Holy Spirit, or Getting to Know the Person of the Holy Spirit Better. Instinctively and intuitively, we know who the Father is. We know who the Son is. 
But what about the person of the Holy Spirit? Do we really know Him? My prayer is that over the next month, we will get to know Him better so that we will do these things. Value Him, love Him, worship Him, glorify Him, the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, while we'll look at different Bible passages in the course of the series, there is one we will return to again and again. Two verses, in fact, John 14, verses 16 and 17. Look in your Bibles at the passage we read, and let's try and embrace what these verses are saying. John 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Now, what Jesus says here about the Holy Spirit is at the heart of what is referred to as his farewell discourse or upper room discourse. The day and the evening before his crucifixion, Jesus shared his heart with his disciples. He began with the profound action of washing their feet. He taught about his betrayal and his denial. His death, his resurrection, his glorification, his departure from the world. He answered their questions. He comforted them. He told them to obey His Word. He spoke of His Father's love for them, His love for them, and their love for one another. He spoke about how all those who follow Him will be hated in the world, yet wonderfully helped in their witness. And then to conclude he prays for himself, for the apostles, and for all of us. But at the heart of these chapters, at the heart of John 13 to 17, is the Lord Jesus' promise to send the person of the Holy Spirit. And he refers in these verses to the person of the Holy Spirit as another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. The helper. The Greek word is parakletos. The helper is the person of the Holy Spirit. We know that from John 14, 26, where Jesus says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. And what does Jesus mean by I will give you another helper. What does the word another mean? It means another of the same. Jesus has been with them. He is going away. And the person He is going to send them is another of the same. Someone who is like Jesus of the same stock and substance. We might say, and rightly, and profoundly, someone from the same family. But surely it cannot be as good as having Jesus with them. 
As Jesus says these things, you can almost feel and empathize with the disciples, the would-be apostles in that upper room as their master, their Lord, the one they loved, said, I am going to leave you. Surely it can't be as good as having Jesus with them, this another in his stead. Or with us, surely it cannot be as good. All of our instincts say to us that to have the person of the Holy Spirit is less than having the person of Jesus with us. It might be another of the same, but not quite the same. Now listen to what Jesus says a little bit later about the person of the Holy Spirit, this another helper that He will ask His Father to send to us when He has gone. They're extraordinary words of Jesus. This is in John 16, verses 6 and 7. But because I have said these things to you, in other words, that I am leaving you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Now, you remember this moment. Now, these are remarkable words from the Lord Jesus. All my instincts, all my instincts standing here, and all your instincts listening to, not me, but preaching of the Word of God in the agency of the Spirit is that what it would mean for us if the Lord Jesus was here, as He was in that upper room in His person. And you could look into His eyes. And He is saying, it is better for you that I go. And He's not saying it's better for you that I go because the going means the cross and the resurrection. He is saying, it is better for you that I go in order that the another helper might come, the Holy Spirit. It is to your advantage that the Holy Spirit will come. Now, come back with me to our text verses, John 14, verses 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Now, consider the final phrase, you know Him. How can you know Him because you haven't got Him yet? Because He hasn't been sent. You know Him, Jesus says, for He dwells with you and will be in you. Now, let's just consider that phrase. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. 
Now, has Jesus not just said that He will ask the Father to give them the Holy Spirit? Yes. So why is He now saying, you already know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you? What is Jesus saying? Well, a really common interpretation of what Jesus is saying is that in the period of the Old Covenant, described in the Scriptures of the Old Testament, the person of the Holy Spirit was with God's people. Whereas in the New Covenant, the New Covenant Jesus makes possible through His death and resurrection, described in the Scriptures of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, comes to be in God's people. So, Old Covenant versus New Covenant. Old Covenant with God's people, New Covenant in God's people. And that interpretation is right. In the New Covenant, the person of the Holy Spirit is indeed in us. And we'll get to that, but we'll have to hold our horses and not get to it too soon, otherwise we'll miss some remarkable stuff. The person of the Holy Spirit is in us, indwelling you, making you the temple of God's presence. That is a wonderful, wonderful blessing of the new covenant in Christ. A wonderful blessing that we will give proper time in this series to understand to meditate upon and to glorify God for, but not yet. For when Jesus says here, you know Him, for He dwells with you, that is not only a general reference to the person of the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant. It is a specific reference to the person of the Holy Spirit in the life and in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is saying, you have been with me for three and a half years as my close companions, and you know me. You know the Father, he has just said, but you also know the person of the Holy Spirit as the person who has been with me all through my ministry. All the time you've known me, you have known the person of the Holy Spirit who has been with me in my life and ministry. Now, just stop there. If I was to say to you, what are the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John about? We would answer, they are about Jesus. They are biographies, if you like, about Jesus. And what Jesus is saying, to me at least, is a, a radical thing. They are also biographies about the Holy Spirit. So read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to learn about the person of the Holy Spirit, not just the person of the Son. Now, let's pause there and ask the scary so what question. Why don't we just crack on and consider the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is what intuitively we're wired to do, what He does in us, for us, through us, how He changes us, helps us, comforts us, equips us, and assures us. 
Why don't we just cut to the chase and get to how the Holy Spirit in us unites us to Christ, how the Holy Spirit gifts us, how the Holy Spirit renders fruit in us as we are joined to the vine that is Christ. All of that stuff may not be familiar, but it's more familiar than this stuff. We will not get there and will not go there until we have first understood and appreciated what the Bible teaches us about the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of our Lord. For doing that will not only increase our understanding of who the person of the Holy Spirit is, bigging up, if you like, in our minds and hearts the person of the Holy Spirit, helping us to value love worship and glorify the Holy Spirit. But doing that so that when we get to the glorious truth that the same person of the Holy Spirit is in us as a gift of grace, we will have in our minds and hearts all of that biography And so tonight, and God willing, next Sunday night, we're going to look at the person of the Holy Spirit, His biography, if you like, through the period of the Old Covenant and in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. And we'll go as far as we can tonight before our time runs out, and then come back to it next week. So, let's go back, and there are some scribbles on the service sheet. Let's go right back to the beginning as we consider the person of the Holy Spirit in creation. In fact, further back than that. For there is one eternal God, one eternal God, who ever was and ever will be. One eternal God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And notice, I'm not going to surrender the word person ever when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The eternal person of God the Father, the eternal person of God the Son, the eternal person of God the Holy Spirit, eternal, eternal, ever was and ever will be. Now, already do you see why it is important to grasp in our minds and hearts the whole biography of the Holy Spirit so that when we come to apprehend and tell each other and pray about and sing about the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells you, you will know that what, rather, who indwells you is the eternal person of the Holy Spirit, whoever was and ever will be. And so, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a power. He is a powerful person, or He is a person with power, but He is not a power without a person, any more than the Lord Jesus is. 
I think intuitively we think of God the Father as a person and God the Son as a person, but not God the Holy Spirit. He is powerful, the Holy Spirit. He is present, but He is a person. He is in this room, not hovering. He is in this room in your body, in His person, in His power. And there is only one of Him, one person of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's say there are 150 Christians in this room. How many Holy Spirits are there? Now, of course, we know the answer, but we don't live like we know the answer. There is one person of the Holy Spirit indwelling you and you and you and you and you with all of our preferences and idiosyncrasies and heights and widths and all the rest of it, there is one person of the Holy Spirit, that eternal Spirit who ever was and ever will be, is in you and you and you. And so you realize, when you speak of a Christian church, what an extraordinary supernatural unity we have. Unbreakable. But you're going to say, well, okay, well, how come we have disunity in churches? Because we don't grasp this stuff and remember it and live it. And when we see someone and we're kind of falling out with them, we don't appeal to some kind of management strategy to make up. We appeal to the person of the Holy Spirit who is in me and in you and you and in me. And what do we do? We pray. Now, Consider the person of the Holy Spirit in creation. Father, Son, and Spirit were all involved at creation. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in divine concert, if you like, at creation, each with their distinctive role. Let me read to you Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Don't turn there. Just let me read it to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form or order. In other words, there was chaos. And the earth was void. It was empty. And the person of the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And then as the Genesis account continues, God speaks, let there be, let there be, and through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit does what? He brings order where there is chaos and fullness where there is emptiness. Now, just listen to that. We're talking creation here. Through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, brings order where there is chaos and fullness where there is emptiness. Now, run all the way forward to the day you were converted or the period of time you were converted. Colin, you're nodding away here. What did you ask 
dick for the Holy Spirit. That's what you asked for. That was exactly the right thing to ask for because it is the indwelling Holy Spirit that brings into our lives order where there is chaos and fullness where there is emptiness. Now, there's a lot of travel to get from creation to my conversion. There's the fall. There's the promises of salvation. There is the long period of the old covenant, centuries of waiting, of promise, of anticipation. Then there is Christ and the securing of the new covenant, the giving of the person of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to indwell believers. And what does the Holy Spirit do when He indwells you? He restores or he, he makes you, what does Paul say? He makes you a new creation. He makes you a new person, a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And you see, if you think about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God never changes. So, the person of the Holy Spirit at creation, who through the Word of God brings order where there is chaos and fullness, where there is emptiness, He doesn't change. It's us who have changed. We have turned away from God. And when we turn back to God, all these centuries, millennia later, and Christ has achieved the new covenant through His blood, the person of the Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters at creation and saw chaos and emptiness, hovers over your life and sees chaos and emptiness, brings you under His conviction through the Word of God and brings order into your life and fullness into your emptiness. And that is the eternal Spirit who ever was and ever will be, who has never changed. Now, let's consider next the person of the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant. Or if you like, what we are told about the person of the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures of the Old Testament, what do we learn about Him? A lot, far more than we can cover. Let me highlight just two things. First, the person of the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant is active in salvation in this way. The person of the Holy Spirit anoints prophets, priests, and kings. Let me flesh that out a bit. The person of the Holy Spirit anoints prophets to speak God's Word. For example, Ezekiel 2 and 2. And as He, the Lord, spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. Second, the person of the Holy Spirit anoints priests. For example, Ezekiel, Exodus rather, 29 and 7. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head, the priest's head, and anoint him. And the anointing oil is symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then, perhaps more familiar, the person of the Holy Spirit anoints kings to rule over the people of God. 
and to lead them against the enemies of God. For example, 1 Samuel 16, 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So, in the Old Covenant, the person of the Holy Spirit anoints prophets, priests, and kings. The second thing to highlight about the person of the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant is what is promised about Him, that is, the person of the Holy Spirit in the future in the New Covenant. In particular, consider what is promised about the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Now, Isaiah is the prophet who has most to say about the Lord Jesus. Isaiah prophesies, for example, that the Messianic King will rule in Jerusalem, and the Messianic King is Jesus. Listen to what Isaiah promises about the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Messiah King, Jesus. This is Isaiah 11. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Moreover, Isaiah prophesies about the suffering servant of the Lord. The suffering servant is Jesus. Listen to what Isaiah promises about the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Lord's suffering servant, Jesus. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, upon him, upon Christ. He will bring forth justice to the nations. And then from Isaiah 61, the closing section of Isaiah's prophecy, where Isaiah speaks about the breaking into the world of the kingdom of God. Listen to what Isaiah promises about the person of the Holy Spirit in the life and ministry of Jesus. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now go back to our text verse in John 14. I will send you another helper. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know him, for he dwells with you. We'll get to the in you later. You know him, for he dwells with you. Through the peer of the old covenant, the person of the Holy Spirit, active in salvation, anointing prophets, priests, and kings, and all that is promised in the Old Testament Scriptures about the person of the Holy Spirit in the life and ministry of Jesus. You know him, for He dwells with you, and you need to know Him. As you have seen Him with me, Jesus says, because when you get to the point when He indwells you, you will know what it is and who it is that indwells you, 
this eternal Spirit, the Spirit that was with me, Jesus says, as my intimate and closest companion all through my ministry, is your intimate and closest companion all the way through your life. And for me, certainly, it, to, to see and to understand the Holy Spirit in relation to the ministry of Jesus has been hugely helpful in understanding what it is that I have in me as a Christian. Now, I'm just looking at Willie's watch, which doesn't keep very good time. Let me, just, let me just deal with the, the incarnation bit tonight. I want to get on to Jesus, but I hope to go further, but we'll stop at the incarnation. It is a mistake to speak about the Holy Spirit in relation to us without having first understood the person of the Holy Spirit in relation to our Lord. The Holy Spirit is the constant and intimate companion of Jesus. You see, we tend to think that the companion of the incarnate Christ, the man Jesus Christ, the flesh and blood Jesus, is the God, the second person of the Trinity. We tend to think that when Jesus performs a miracle, that's His divinity that's enabling him, but that's not what the Bible says. What accompanies or who accompanies Jesus through his ministry that enables him to perform miracles? Yes, these miracles reveal that he is God, but it's the Holy Spirit that is with him that enables him to do these things. The Holy Spirit accompanying Jesus in his humanity that makes us understand extraordinary statements like Jesus, as a lad, grew up in favor with men, yes, and with God. How can Jesus grow in favor with God? Because He is God. It's the person of Jesus in His humanity being instructed in the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the constant and intimate companion of Jesus all through His ministry. And we read through the Gospels with fresh eyes not only to learn about the person of Jesus, but to learn about the person of the Holy Spirit. The Gospels are about Jesus, and if this is not too irreverent, His best friend, the person of the Holy Spirit. From the womb to the tomb and beyond to glory, the Holy Spirit is alongside Jesus. Jesus Christ is the man of the Spirit, and so completely and perfectly is He the man of the Spirit that the person of the Holy Spirit comes also to be called the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ. Now, what we're going to see um, next week in the main is the person of the Holy Spirit figuring in the life of Christ in four ways. 
at his incarnation and childhood, his inauguration of his ministry. I'd love to get on to the second tonight, but we won't. It's just great when the Holy Spirit hovers over Jesus as he is baptized. Father, Son, and Spirit, a new creation. The Spirit anoints Jesus as one prophet, priest, and king. And then Luke sticks in a genealogy. Why on earth would you have a genealogy after his anointing? Because the genealogy takes us all the way from Jesus to Adam, a new creation. That's next week. Consider, as we finish tonight, Jesus' incarnation. Let me read to you from Luke 1. And behold, you will conceive in your womb Mary and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. How is that going to take place? Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. At significant points in salvation history, the Holy Spirit has brought about the miraculous birth of a child. Isaac to Sarah and Abraham, Obed, described in the book of Ruth, grandfather of King David, Samuel to Hannah and Elkanah, and most powerfully, the conception of Jesus in Mary, who was a virgin. The conception of Jesus when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, reminiscent of the Holy Spirit in creation, because in Jesus' birth, there is a new creation, the restoration of the fallen one. The person of the Holy Spirit came upon the earth at creation and came upon a teenage girl to bring about the new creation. In Mary's womb, the Holy Spirit, the intimate companion of the Messiah. And through Jesus' childhood and maturity into adult life, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and knowledge prophesied in Isaiah 11 was on the Lord. And Luke describes Jesus' growth through childhood into maturity as an adult in this way. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How could the God-man increase in wisdom? Because Luke is talking about the incarnate Christ, growing up as a boy, as a teenager, and as a young man, with the Holy Spirit as his teacher, instructing him so that he grew in favor with God. Now, I'll go to the conclusion five pages later. I hope you see what is happening here. The person of the Holy Spirit is the intimate companion and closest friend and helper of Jesus in his life and ministry. And that, for me, certainly over these past weeks, has done no end of good to big up the person of the Holy Spirit in my understanding. 
to raise my affections for him, to be allowed to worship him, the Holy Spirit, to love him, to glorify him, to long to know him better, and to realize that the Holy Spirit, who was the trusted and intimate companion of the Lord Jesus, is in me as my intimate and trusted companion. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that as we study the person of the Holy Spirit over these coming weeks, as we begin to meditate on and to understand how the Holy Spirit was the intimate and close companion of the Lord Jesus through His life and ministry, that as we consider Jesus' life and ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit therein, we pray that our affections, our love, our praise, our worship of the Holy Spirit would grow. And along with the person of the Father and the Son, we will be free to worship one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to hold back before we plunge in to consider what it means that the Holy Spirit is in me. Help us to take our time and to grow our knowledge and to relish in all that He is as a person. Help us to be wise, to draw out and see the differences in how the Holy Spirit is with Jesus and how He indwells us, but never, ever, ever be afraid to grasp and believe with all our hearts that the person of the Holy Spirit, who was present at creation, bringing order out of chaos and fullness out of emptiness, and present at Christ's incarnation, the inauguration of His ministry, in His temptations, in His death, in His resurrection, in His glorification, never ever be tempted to think that the Holy Spirit that indwells us is in any way, for He is not in any way a different person of the Trinity of God. Help us, Lord, to worship Him aright, for Jesus' sake. Amen.